You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about Grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. I'm just going to read a a story to you guys from John chapter 4 and just just be present in this. give this. Give this your full attention. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So Jesus left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired from the journey. So he sat down at the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself? as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever comes and drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. I hate coming here to draw water. And he told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, the woman replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five. And the man you're with right now is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman said, Jesus, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither from this mountain nor from Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for this portion of your word. God, I thank you for the gospel of John. Lord, I pray that today what we experience is is, is exactly what John's agenda was, life. Lord, that as we look at this story and maybe look at it from a slightly different lens, that you open our hearts to see what we need to see. God, I've got an agenda, but my agenda doesn't matter. Just speak truth however it needs to be heard. God, you know, you know what every person in this room came thirsting for. And you know that you are the answer. God, I I don't have words to convince someone of that. So I'm just asking today that that you speak louder than me. Through me, around me, in spite of me, God, you woo them into a relationship with you that changes their forever. If there's anyone in this room today that's body feels dry and then they're just exhausted, God, I feel that you refresh them. If there's anyone here who doesn't know you, Lord, I feel that I pray that today they experience the living water in a brand new way. Just be you, God. We love you and we trust you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.
Morning, guys. It's good to uh, see all you guys today. Um, we're on a series called John, and man, I, I'm, I'm enjoying this, and I, I hope you guys are too. And by the way, if we hadn't met, my name's Tommy. I'm the pastor here. It's good to meet you. Um, Notice there's normally more people in the 10 o'clock. A lot of people are going to 1130 today because that's where we're praying over our seniors. And so if you guys want to kind of see what our seniors are up to after this gathering, you can walk down the hall and they've got tables out and you can kind of go by and pray over them because uh, they think that life is now going to get easy. <laughs> I would have stayed in high school 42 years if I'd have known what was afterwards. Kind of like Billy Madison. But... um. I don't know, man, but yeah, go pray for him. But anyway, that, that story we just heard, uh, that, that was a story of, of John, and I think the story's called The Woman at the Well, if, if your Bible has little story tabs. And I think maybe you've heard that story before if, you, if you've been in church for a while, or maybe this is the first time you've ever heard it, but how wherever you fall in that range, we typically all approach that story with sort of our own perspective, Right? And I know I've read that story lots of times, and every time I read it, I kind of come from maybe wherever I am in life at that point, and so God sort of speaks a word that's about my perspective or my agenda. And I've read that story before, and, and God has spoken words to me about how uh, he keeps loving me even though I'm still not doing what he wants me to do, right? That woman had had five husbands, and now she's living with a man. That's, and so the word you might hear, and maybe this is your perspective, maybe this is what you need to hear today, is that God loves you no matter what. That God is totally and completely in love with you. And he would walk across a desert to meet you in the situation you're in right now. And the situation you're in right now does not disqualify you from the love of God. Maybe that's the perspective. And if that's what you hear, then great, man. I know I've read this story before and kind of heard it from the agenda of God is always looking for the one. You know, like, I mean, he's going from Judea to Galilee. And Samaria is definitely the shortest route. But a good Jewish person never walked through Samaria. Because they couldn't stand Samaritans. Samaritans were considered unclean people. So Jews avoided them like the plague and they completely stayed away from them. But here's Jesus going to a well, meeting not only a, a, a Samaritan, but a Samaritan woman. Which back in that day was sort of a, that was strike two. And he meets this woman. And so maybe you hear that story and maybe what you hear is God's always looking for the one. And that's cool. That's a cool perspective and I think it's good. I think there's lots of perspectives on this, but in this series, remember, it's not about our perspective. It's about John's perspective. And John, the author of this book, had an agenda. And his agenda was that you would know that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God, and that through knowing that, you would have, anybody remember what it is? Life. Good job. And so we're trying to see this through John's perspective, and so maybe it's going to look a little different today. So before we get to that, let me, let me ask you guys a couple questions. Um, and I want, this is audience participation time, okay? That means I'm going to say something and you're free to speak back. I know some of you came for a church where no one was allowed to talk. I want, I, I, I'm being, I want to say to them, I want you all to speak back to me because it makes me feel like you're listening. All right, you ready? Where, what was the geographic sort of climate location of where this story takes place? Is, is, is it in a forest that's full of rain? Is it a rainforest? What is it? It's a desert. Okay, it's a desert. All right, so keep that. So where does most of the Bible take place? In a desert, right? So this is a desert people, right? And the story is written in about a, something in a desert, and most of the people who read the Bible were in the desert. And so here's the next question. What don't deserts have a lot of? Yes. This is going smashing. 
So deserts typically don't have a lot of water, right? And so if you're in the desert, water is probably rather important to you, okay? So understand that this story that we just read, that big, long story, um, that is written to people who live in a desert who don't have a lot of water and their entire lives, their communities, everything centers around water, right? And the only possible connection I can think of for, for us today of something that important is, is your phone. Like that's the only, like if Jesus came back today, I'm 90% sure he would say, I am the iPhone of life. Follow me and you will never lose your charge. <laughs> I really, because that's how important phones are to us today, right? So just every time I say water, you think phone and then we'll connect with this story tremendously better. All right, so. It's written in a desert, people don't have water, and so, but, but, but this theme of water, and we're going to see this a lot today, because I, I've read this story a million times, and my perspective was it was a woman at the well. But I don't think the story is just about the woman, I think the story is about the water. And, and this theme of water, it doesn't start in John. As a matter of fact, there's a story in Genesis, Genesis 2, 3, and if you've got your Bible, you can flip back. If not, I'm sure it'll be on the screen. And it says, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth. And no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. So if there's no rain, there's probably not any plants, right? I'm a farmer, so I know that. Some of you are new, trust me. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man that he formed. And the Lord made all kinds of trees grow from the ground. Trees are pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, there was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. And there it separated into four headwaters. Okay, okay, this is a lot going on here, but I want to make sure we're on the same page of what's happening. There's this dry, desolate world where nothing grows, okay? There is death. There, there's nothing. And God springs forth waters that are basically flowing from God. It's as if God is this stream of life that goes out and waters everything. So that, that's, that's the visual here. That from Eden, there, there's nothing. And then God flows water from his very being. And he waters everything. And so if you're in a desert, your connection here would be there was no life. And then God poured himself, his very presence out. And from that, everything had life because water was life if you lived in the desert. Are you with me? And so th th this imagery is that God himself is the source of everything you need. And so the people living in the garden, which were Adam and Eve, humanity, they had everything they needed. Water itself out of God's, they didn't earn the water. You know, they didn't, they didn't win a prize. God just said, hey, I'm going to give you water. And it flowed like grace and mercy from God. So they had everything they needed. And because they had everything they needed, they were totally happy and content forever and ever. And no one ever sinned, right? Isn't that the Eden story? That's the story for a page. For a page. They have everything they want. And still it's not enough because it's almost as if they thirsted for that which they did not have. And I think as, as humans, we can all sort of understand that condition. It's the human condition of discontent. It's the human condition of having enough and still wanting more. 
It's why my friend makes a killing off storage units that are full of our stuff. It's why casinos stay rich. Because you can hit that slot machine and within an hour you're going to give it all back because you want more. At least that's what I've been told by people who've done that sort of thing. <laughs> right? This is, I mean, it's, it's this condition in us that we want more and we got to have more. And so we're going for And w- w- no matter what it is, you understand this. If it's money, there's never enough. If it's drugs, there's never enough. If it's sex, there's never enough. If it's food, there's never enough. If it's power, there's never Whatever your thing is that you're trying to fill this need with, no matter how much of it you ever have, it's never enough. And the more you get, just the more sandy your mouth feels because the thirstier you are. Isn't that true? Isn't that the human condition? If you're trying to fill your, your body and you're trying to fill that, that space with things of this world, the things of this world will never satisfy you. You'll just be thirstier than you were before. It's been the condition for a long time. And so that's what's happening. And so Adam and Eve and humanity, they, they kind of go out on their own. And they're like, you know what? what what's, what's in the garden? We want more. And so they get cut off from the water. They get put out into the wilderness. And so they're cut off from God's grace and God's goodness, and they're, and they're in the wilderness, but God is still sustaining them, but, the, but they're disconnected from the water of life. And so then you read the Genesis story for a while, and there's an interesting story about Noah, and that has some water in it. And then you go on, and you meet Father Abraham. And we know from our Genesis study that you all were here for and paid complete attention that Abraham was, would be the father of a great nation, right, that God came to him and promised, I'm going to bless the world through you. And Abraham messes up and all this stuff goes wrong. And then later on we get his, his uh, I think it's his grandson, Jacob, right? And Jacob, do you remember what, did, does anyone remember what Jacob's name means? Anyone? Oh, that was great. I was about to do the deceiver thing again. Thank you. So Jacob's very name means deceiver. He's a bad guy. He's rotten at the core, right? And so Jacob gets thrown out into the wilderness, and now he's meandering around in the desert, but God has promised to make this great people. And so here's Abraham's grandson meandering around the desert, and guess what he finds in the middle of the desert? A well. That's convenient, isn't it? He finds a well in the middle of the desert. God's grace and God's mercy has has led him to this water. And at this well, he meets a gal named Rachel. And Jacob and Rachel, they, at this well, they sort of fall in love. And from this comes the nation of Israel. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. So from this well comes water that then is going to bless the whole world because this nation of Israel is going to be a blessing to everyone. And where, and where the Israelites go, people will know that there is God and they will make the world better. And that works again for about a chapter. And everywhere these guys go, it's trouble. Everywhere they go, there's problems because they keep wanting more. They're discontent. That same human condition. And it finally gets so bad. We're going somewhere with this, I promise. But it finally gets so bad for the nation of Israel. And these these people, these chosen people that, that were meant to be connected to the source of all life and water. It gets so bad for them that this guy named Ezekiel comes along. Listen to what he says in Ezekiel 37. He says, the hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and sent me in the middle of a valley. And it was full of bones. So Ezekiel's telling the Israelites about a vision he's had. He said, I'm in this valley and it's full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very, very, very dry. 
the nation of Israel had, had gotten so far from God, from this living water, from the source of life, that it was as if a valley of dry bones. Can you picture that in your mind? So cut off that all there was now was death. Their thirst for more had led them to a valley of dry bones. And so I tell you all this because John, the author who wrote that, that long verse we started with, he knew all of this. John knew about the Genesis tree and he knew about those waters and he knew about Jacob's well. I mean, as a matter of fact, where, in this story where the lady meets Jesus, does anyone remember where she meets Jesus? At, at Jacob's well. That's where she met. And so John knew all this. And John knew about Ezekiel. And John knew that he lived in a desert. And John knew that water was important. John knew every one of these things. And then John meets this guy named Jesus one day. And for three years, he does life with Jesus. And he sees Jesus do amazing things. And then Jesus dies. And John's like, oh, man, this is bad. And then Jesus resurrects, and John's like, this is actually pretty good. Everything just changed. And then one day, now this is just my opinion, one day John is sitting down after Jesus is resurrected, and he's got his papyrus out, and he's getting ready to write this book. You know, he's doing, doing this thing, because that's what you do when you write on papyrus. Actually, this is the guy who did the near to that. But he's writing, he's, do, he's doing these things, right? And he's writing these letters, and he's thinking about all these experiences with Jesus. And then he remembers this day that they met that woman at the well together. And he begins to think, all right, what, what was really going on with that story? And he remembers how Jesus began to talk to her about what her thirst and life had done. And we get this verse 17 where it says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you've had five and the man you have now is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. This isn't Jesus beating this woman up. This is her, him leading her towards something. He wants her to see what this thirst has done in her, what this desire has done in her. And then after that, he says, he says, but I have a water that can quench your thirst forever. And in verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I gave them will become like a spring of water welling up to eternal life. John knows all the stories as he writes this story. And what John realizes and what you must realize is this, this thing that God did in Eden where God's presence and power was going to water the whole world, this has happened through Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of what was happening in Eden. Jesus is the fulfillment of what was supposed to happen at that well. Jesus is the water of life for the entire world. And Jesus gets it and John gets it. And he's like, no matter what you ever thirst for, no matter what you ever want, if you fill your life with anything but Christ, you will always be dry. He says that everything other than Jesus leads to death. And in this moment, Jesus is saying, what God did, I am doing now once and for all. I'm the fulfillment of the water of the world. And if you live in a desert, that's a pretty powerful statement. Okay, y'all got this water thing, right? Now listen to John 19, okay? And listen to this with new ears. John 19, 33. This is Jesus' crucifixion. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they didn't break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Has anyone ever stopped and thought about this? Bring a sudden flow of blood and water. L let me ask you guys a question. Raise your hand if you've ever, if you've ever bled. 
Okay, it's pretty good. Most of you. One of you is a Vulcan. That's all right. Vulcan, everyone needs Jesus. Um, when, you, when you bled, did water come gushing out? When you pricked your finger, did water come gushing out? There's, there's no example of bleeding where, other than maybe like a, a woman having a baby where your water breaks. But other than that, water does not come out when you have a wound, does it? So something here is happening that I would say is slightly unusual. And what John, remember, John had, just, you could just leave that verse up there for me. John has an agenda. John's agenda is that you would know Jesus is the Christ and that from him you would have life. And so why does John write about this and Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't? Because this is the climax of John's agenda. That this water that flowed was the life of the world. That when Christ's blood flowed out onto the ground, that the world experienced life that it could have never had otherwise. That that blood of Christ would be the life of the world. And that no matter where you were and what you've done, and no matter how dry your bones are, if you were to place your faith in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can have life. Because when that blood flowed out, water flowed out too. The living water for the world to taste. It was the very presence of God redeeming his creation again. Blood and water, that we might have Christ. It was the greatest act of grace and mercy the world would ever see. And, and, and I'll write this and I think, man, how many of us today are still sitting in church with dry bones? I mean, remember what, what's supposed to happen from this is what was supposed to happen in Eden and what was supposed to happen at Jacob's well. That blood was supposed to flow into us and then we go out into the world and, and water the world. Are, are you watering the world? Or are you just dry bones sitting in the church? And you know the answer to that. Your spouse probably knows the answer to that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on with you. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you've done. But I know this, if you're sitting here today and you've just got dry bones and maybe you've been through some things and you've had some, some hits and, and you've gone through some life and you've seen some loss or maybe you're battling through a divorce or trying to put your pieces back together and you just feel like dry bones, let me tell you this, there is nothing that will satisfy that except for the blood of Christ. There's nothing. And you know why I know? The same reason most of you know, because we tried everything else. Only the blood of Christ will satisfy. Are your bones dry? Don't think I'm going to preach them back to life because I can't. It's only the spirit of the living God that will bring you back to life. So maybe you're here and that's you. Maybe you're here and you've just been in church for so long that you've forgotten that you need grace. And so you've kind of become a little bit stale. Your, your bones are kind of like the tin man, kind of creaky. You come in, you sit every week, you leave, then you go to the cafe and you complain because it wasn't your favorite song and Tommy didn't say hi to you. Here's my prayer for you today, that your bones would be watered again, that you would come back to life, that you would remember who you are apart from Christ, that you would remember just how amazing grace is even for you. Guys, the dry bones can dance again, but it takes the water of life. And so today, as we close this thing out, I just want to invite you, wherever you are, with what's gone on, whatever's dried up your bones, we know the answer. And so, God, 
my prayer for this place and for this time would just be simple. Water the bones again. Bring us back to life so that we might go and water the world. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.